The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And hello again, and welcome to hour number two of Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. Gary Harding, John Panneries with you. Here in the studio on this Sunday evening, January 10th, 2021, our producer Brian Graves on the other side of the glass. On this hour of Sports Talk 1240, we'll be talking to Paul Kreischer, uh, the, uh, the guru of Isles Talk. Um, we'll be getting his views on everything, especially on the last hour we just did. And at 9.35, we will have Dr. Stephen Brook, who is the uh, owner of Country Foot Care, who is the sponsor of our portion of, of Sports Talk New York, a uh, huge Met season ticket holder. And when I saw him at the doctor's office yesterday, John, he was happier than a pig in slop. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're going to get his take on the deal and some of the things that are going on with the New York Mets. But if you are listening to us and not checking out the football game, uh, you're missing a lot. Uh, from a fumble recovery 14 seconds into the game, to three touch more touchdowns, Cleveland is up twenty eight to nothing on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know my I know my friend Bill right now in Pennsylvania who will listen to this show on the podcast. I'm sure he's uh not too happy right now. But our guest is on the line. Again, another frequent contributor. We always get these frequent contributors on. <laughs> too bad they don't get frequent flyer points uh, yeah, really, with this. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Paul Kreischer, the guru of of Isles Talk, is on the line with us. Paul, happy new year, my friend. Happy New Year, guys! Happy New Year! Is everything going all right? You doing well up there in uh, up in the woods? So far, so good. It's been it's it's cold. We you know the snow actually hasn't been bad, but uh, it, it's been very cold now for like the last two weeks. I don't think we broke thirty five uh, in the last couple of weeks. So it's winter, but you know That's we'll take it, it over the over the ice. Yep, it's winter, but the other thing's starting. Yes. Yeah. So what's your uh? What's your thoughts? What you hearing? What's uh, what's been uh, exciting you about the prospects other than other than seeing number thirteen back on the ice? Oh, I I'm waiting for him. I I can't wait to see him have a breakout year. And I think him, Bovillier, and Pollock. Uh, I want to see them all, shall we say, mature. Uh, I think that's the young core that I'm waiting to see. And if we can get uh, Bovillier to do what he did in the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't think Islander fans will have to worry about the scoring as much, but uh, I unfortunately I have to agree with Gary. I think that third line is going to be very important. Uh, and again, Barry, Barry has a very tough um, decision to make. You know, I would love to see the kids, um, Bellows and Wallstrom, but yeah, I understand true. the reasoning for having players like Ladd and Komarov on that third line every once in a while for a shortened season. So. Um, no, I'm excited for Barzell. I'm excited for um, Bovillier and Pollock. I mean, do you think because of again because of the uniqueness of this shortened season and the fact that you're you're basically just about playing every other day, if not a lot of three and fours? Do you th- and with the fact of having this quote unquote taxi squad, you know, of four to six guys additional to your 23 man roster? I think it's going to be inevitable to have all those said names in the lineup coming back and forth, you know, giving guys a blow here or there or 
you know, with dealing with the dings and the knocks that's going to happen in such a compressed schedule. I yeah, and I'm I'm going to agree with that because I think Barry Trotz Barry Trotz basically just said it in one he summed up the season in one sentence. He's not worried about the goals. He's worried about the wins. Mm-hmm. And you're going to utilize every single player on that roster to get the wins. And when you have a full roster like this, and a good chunk of them are younger kids now, you want to use as many of them as possible to give the older veterans a break every now and then, still contribute to the team, doesn't matter if it's a one nothing or 2-1 or 3-1 win, whatever, you win at all costs. And then come playoff time, if everyone is healthy, hey, you make a long run. That's true. You go for it. That's true. So I agree. I agree with Barry this year. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be so much about the goals. I think it is about the wins, and you got to use every single player. Now, what do you think of the? Of, oh, I mean, I kind of, I think I know the answer to this, but what do you think of the format that the NHL has chosen to go with this compressed schedule and having a you know, you're basically playing just all the teams in your division and having an all-Canadian division. How do you think this is going to sort of fall out at the end, and how do you think it's going to affect the playoffs? Personally, I love it because now I get to bully my family eight times a year in a, such a shortened span. So, like, there, there's going to be phone calls in the middle of the night telling them that the Rangers suck. So, it, I, for me personally, I'm loving it. Um but, uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I, I have been wanting this, uh, for quite some time. I think the NHL, I think New York in general, and especially New York hockey, we need the Rangers and Islanders to absolutely hate each other. And we haven't had that since Gary had hair. It's been a very long time. I beg your pardon. <laughs> I still have hair. But, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, again, as Jake said earlier, you know, it, it's it, – or as Andrew said earlier, it's it's Gary Bettman, you know, appeasing the fans of the, the western part of the United States that they don't get to see – you know, they get to see the Sidney Crosbys and the Alex Ovechkins and, and maybe now the Matthew Barzals. You know, they – don't yeah. get to see it often, so they're trying to appease. But you know, growing up, you know, again, not at not the same age, but at a similar age, you know, we all enjoyed the fact that we played the Rangers six times or eight times, and the Flyers, yeah. and 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 you know, now this year you got the Bruins and the Sabers involved in it too, which is again an interesting, unique spin for this one year. But you know, as Lou said, every game is going to be a four-point game now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there, there is a part of me that really is going to enjoy watching Canada absolutely kill each other. Yeah, I know. That, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. too. Like, I'm, I am truly looking forward for Montreal and Toronto smacking each other eight times. And, and then you got the middle no, pile in, in Canada. Winnipeg. In Canada, it's either nine or ten because it's only seven oh, that's teams. Right. That's even better. That's yeah. even better. Yeah, that's right. And you got the middle child in Winnipeg who I think everyone is ignoring. And I don't think they should. No. And I think Winnipeg is going to be one of those sleeper teams that's just going to be like, oh, look at us. We're healthy now. Look out. So, uh, I am. And then you got the, you know, the Battle of Alberta. You know, you can never go wrong with that. You, you know, if you, if you have trouble falling asleep, you know, watching an Edmonton Calgary game, absolutely. And then you got Vancouver. Um, you know, 
young, up and coming, and you know, I, I that's going to be a very good test for Vancouver to see where they end up uh, in that division. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to watching Canada just absolutely destroy each other. And if I'm not mistaken, you know, the team that gets out of the division in the East is going to play the North. So that should be interesting. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. It is, and again, I, I, I know a lot of people have Toronto winning the North. I, I, I don't know if I can, guys. I don't think so I, either. I, no, no, I, I'm not. And I, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna pull this back a little bit and a, and a little bit of a segue into the East. This is an, this is like a defense first, grinded out kind mm-hmm. of long round robin, and. This is a short schedule that, again, it benefited the 94-95 Devils, which is exactly what the Islanders are. But it's a team, but it's a, it, it's a schedule that benefits Washington, Boston, Montreal, um, any kind of you know, even Dallas, Tampa Bay, kind of like that defense first um, mm-hmm. system. You know, if the structure is there, they're going to outlast all these other running gun teams. So, you know. I, I I think it's going to be a lot of long, grueling games, and I don't know if Toronto has it all to take first or even make it a long run. Because I think, honestly, I think Winnipeg could wear out Toronto and then Montreal takes care of them uh, or vice versa. Um, I'm not putting anything against Edmonton. I think Edmonton could win around just on their offense alone, and even their defense has improved a little bit. And Vancouver just picked up Travis Hamannick, and I forget the other defenseman, mm-hmm. but they just realized the importance of getting that defensive depth. So I think that we're going to see a lot of long, grueling games, and I'm looking forward to it. Who do you, you know, kind of put on your your, uh, your well, look into your crystal ball? Who do you yes. think is going to come out of the four divisions? Just kind of spitballing it. Who, who do you think's got the best chance in a 56 compressed? See game season. Who who do you see kind of the cream of the crop at the end? All right. Uh, if we're going to go top four in each division, we're going to go Canada. I'll go Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. Ooh, that's interesting. In the end, in the end, and I still think it could be Winnipeg and Montreal in those finals because they're they're a defensive first system. Uh, Vancouver's going to make it close, but I don't know if the kids are going to have enough. Uh, that's what I mean. I'm really losing. Mark, that's going to be my. I think losing Markstrom would be is the biggest. Uh, I think. I agree. Them. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. But I'm. Ter- uh, Vancouver's my dark horse team. I'm really interested to see how far they can go this year uh, with that club. So keep an eye out on Vancouver. Um, if we're going into the Central, I think I had Carolina, Columbus. Dallas, if they stay healthy, I'm, I'm sorry, Columbus, if they stay healthy as well, and Tampa. Well, Tampa, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa's in. Dallas, as long as they stay healthy. Uh, keep an eye out for Nashville because they're the savvy veterans. If they can stay healthy, they can still do some damage. Um, in the, right. If we're going out west, um, Vegas. I think I had San Jose. San Jose, really? Yeah, I got San Jose to take the fourth one. 
Oh, okay. Who else is in that division? Colorado. Why am I having a... Colorado, yes. Vegas, Colorado. What's the other obvious one that I'm missing? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, thank you. Yeah, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, and I'm going to go San Jose. Ooh, wow, that's interesting. I like L.A., but they're not ready yet. No, L.A. is at least another year or two away. Yeah, L.A. is at least another year or two away, but I love what they did at the uh, the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely applaud them uh, 100%. Um, Anaheim, I don't know if they have it. No. I don't know if they have not it. And I think San Jose, if they stay healthy, I think San Jose is going to sneak in there. Yeah, they, they got decimated with injuries last year, and their goaltending was just was so suspect. Now they got Dubnik in net, so they got it. They got a viable goaltending option. Absolutely, absolutely. I that's that. I can see why Paul's making that the key. And I think if they get some decent, uh, if they get some decent defensive work, I mean, uh, Burns and uh, Carlson had very subpar years. So if they come back, and yeah. Rebound, so I mean, if, if they Burns come back and Carlson rebound, can come. Yeah, if Burns and Carlson can come back in a short season, yeah, I, I think San Jose can do it. Okay. Last but not least. The East? Go for it. No, you well, go you, for you it. you got to pick you're the, the East. You're the guest. You go for it. Oh, the East. Oh, I thought I did the East. Um, no. I'm going Philadelphia. In no particular order. Philadelphia, Washington, the Islanders, and I'm going to go with Boston. Ooh. Boston, they, Boston's going to find a way... Oh, to get one. into the playoffs, even though they lost Tory Krug and Zidane Charner, they are going to be very tough to replace. But they've got some good young defensemen along the way, and I think you're going to see them. I don't want to say a late push, but I think you're going to see them. You know, kind of get used to things first, and then they're going to then they're really going to kick it into gear. But uh, I honestly think out of the East, there really isn't going to be much of a difference between first and fourth. Like, if there's like a four or five point difference between each team, I think that's where we're going with and that. And truthfully, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between fourth and seventh. Yeah, really. You know, I, I really think it's going to be. I agree time. with that. I agree. And this is this is something you guys know this. Um, I always play the percentages during the standings. And, you know, usually it's not until game 60 that or game 40 that you can actually start eliminating teams based off the percentages but you got to be really really bad guys like seriously bad like Columbus Blue Jackets 3 years ago hit with a plague and you were done by like 10 you know by game 10 we're only playing 56 games yeah it's mm-hmm. different so Gary to your credit everybody's going to be in it as long as there's like obviously injuries are going to play mm-hmm. uh a, a key role Health is certainly going to play a key role. The schedule, you know, based off their health, you know, some of these guys are going to play two games and four, um, you know, four games in like five nights. It's going to be a tough one for them. But, you know, at some point they may have to do it. But, uh, no, that's why we have the taxi squad. So, yeah, health, injuries, all of that's going to play a factor this year. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a, an issue. Uh, to me, I really think it's going to be an attrition thing because of, because I think COVID is the wild card in all this. So, you know, obviously physical health, a grinding 56 game series season and you get injuries. Obviously hockey is a physical game, but I really think that the, the wild card here is going to be how COVID affects the league and, you know, God forbid teams to get, you know, get hit really bad with that. You no, know, Dallas is already experiencing yeah, and, it. And that's my fear. And concern is that COVID is going to have a factor too much so 
on on how this all plays out. You're not wrong, John. You're absolutely not wrong. Um, it's it's going to it's inevitable. I think that's what Andrew Gross said. It's inevitable. Yeah. It's yeah. going to happen. And uh, I think New Jersey just lost a couple of players today. So, um, you know, it, it's starting to affect the players, you know, locally here. Um, again, you uh, just switching a little bit of gears. You know, you are, you know, I will say a, a, a good expert on the um, the development of of the players that you see coming into the Islander system. Uh, hearing yep. a lot of good things on some of the guys, Bodie Wild, for for example. I think uh, Andrew said has been playing extremely well. I've been hearing a lot of things about Bull Duke's. Uh, uh, progression in camp. Uh, you hearing the same things? I am hearing the same thing, and uh, I'm, you know, a- Andrew basically said it for us. Uh, that, and I'm, you know, I'm actually going to put Simon Holmstrom in this as well. Um, the guys have been doing very well at training camps. Are they ready for the NHL? Absolutely not. Um, it makes all the more sense for them to go down. Uh, I'm glad they're making a making it a difficult choice for Trotz. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, but you know, I'm I'm glad they're stepping their game up. I'm glad they're making uh, some noise. I'm glad they're turning heads. Uh, for me and Simon Holmstrom, I thought that was some of his best games at the World Junior yeah, Championship. He was, he was he was great. Yeah, he had, he, had he was tournament. he was great. But I'll tell you what, he really needs to improve more. Mm-hmm. His skating was okay. The passing was good. There was no shooting involved. Now, to his defense, we don't know what his coach was actually telling him to do. And that's the other thing in the American Hockey League. Some players are working on some kind of development told by the coach. And, you know, some things go up and, you know, and other things they lack. So, like, working on your two-way game is going to go up. Your goal scoring is supposed to go down. That's just the way it is in the AHL. We don't know what Holmstrom was being told by his coach to do, whether it was just a set of players or score or whatnot. But what I need to see out of Simon Holmstrom, and he's got three more years at Bridgeport now to do this, develop his overall offensive game. Start shooting the puck more, like a Matt Barzal here. Start shooting a little bit more. See what else we can do. Um, I thought his, I thought he played his best. I thought he could be better, though. Which is, you know, that's that's a good thing to hear, though, because at least... There's still the upside coming yeah, from And he's him. 19. And he's 19, right, right. So it's not yeah, like you're talking 19. about a 26-year-old, you know, who you're still right. kind of waiting to, to come along. So I think there's a and big difference. Let's talk about another 19 or soon-to-be 20-year-old. Noah Dobson. Right. I am salivating. So am I. At what, I really at what just... this kid could do. I've had a couple of scouts come up to tell me, and they're like, look, there's no one better to learn from than Andy Green at this point. Mm-hmm. They oh, yeah. said, you learn from Andy Green and Johnny Boychuk while they're all there. You, you, they said, you have not seen what Noah Dobson can do yet. That's true. And again, this so, is a kid that I, proved everything he could at the junior level and, and came up with it with a great, uh, to me, you know, the interviews I saw last season, just the attitude that this kid has and, and, the yeah. willingness to just like suck up the knowledge from all these guys, and he's doing just that. And to me, Green was is, is a perfect compliment for him. And I just now, like, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There is something I would like to add for all of your listeners. 
Um, yes, we are beefing up all the prospects, and we're going to include Wallstrom. We're going to include Bellows. We're also going to include Sorokin in this one. Mm-hmm. Let them play. Don't put any expectations on them. Those expectations should be on Bovillier, Barzell, Pollock. Even Nelson could do a little bit better, if you know what I mean. But these kids are literally learning how to play almost a full season in the NHL. God forbid, you know, hopefully they make the playoffs that really make it a full season. Don't put any expectation on them, including Sorokin. Let these guys find their way this year so that way when they're ready for Belmont next year, oh, my Lord, look out. Yeah, I, I like I like the comments that Andrew made about uh, about Sorokin, that, that, they're, that they're really working with him on on the angles. But he feels, he, you know, I, I, I didn't know this, apparently – not all of the uh, the KHL rinks are Olympic size, so he's played that that shortened game before, and he's he's comfortable with it. But you know, uh, I, I just you know, like you said, you know, there's going to be an opportunity, you know, with this compressed schedule where he's going to have to take a couple, you know, a couple of games in a row, you know, especially if he runs hot and if he's anything that, and again, I, I don't want to compare what you see on the on the videotapes. You know, of some of his heroic, unbelievable physical, you know, stops he makes. But if he could do the things that, that Piero and, uh, you know, the rest of the goaltending staff want him to do, you know, like you said, the sky's the limit for next year. He's going to be, you know what it is, guys? He's going to look very calm, cool, collective. He's going to give you that small impersonation of Thomas Grice. He's not going to just flop all over the place like Yaroslav Halak did. He's going to be in there. He's going to be focused. And, you know, the nice thing with Sorokin is that, yes, he's very athletic, but if you remember with Thomas Grice, I think it was last year, the last year before that, Brendan, when he stoned Sidney Crosby and then Phil Kessel, Brendan Burke goes, Thomas Grice, take a bow. He may do that once or twice a week with Sorokin every once in a while. That's how good Sorokin is. He's not going to flash unless he absolutely has to. He's going to present, you know, a very cool, calm, collective, yeah, I took that safe. No, you weren't going to score. But he's not going to brag about it. He's literally going to look like Thomas Grice to you guys. And in all honesty, if he can go... 2.5 2.5 goals against average with a 9.15 save percentage this year, which is what Thomas Grice's numbers were last year. We're rolling. The Islanders are rolling. I agree. I agree. And, and that's really going to be another quote unquote wild card in this whole thing is how, you know, how well he adapts to the NHL. You know, how quick. I think he just needs to get his feet wet. Right. I think he's had enough practice. Uh, he's faced enough shots. You know, get him into a couple of games. I wouldn't put him in against the Rangers yet. Don't put him into any major pressure ones yet. You know, maybe against the Devils. You know, definitely Chicago. Uh, you know, Chicago. I would probably go L.A. or Anaheim. You know, you, you can pick and choose your battles, but if Barry Trotz feels he's ready to go, you put him in for two games. And I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Schneider even got in a game or two. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and you kind of answered my question there because I was going to, just going to ask you, who do you think we gonna, we're going to see between the pipes Thursday night at the Garden? Oh well, it's, it's oh, it's already Varlamov. Oh, it's already, it's already okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Andrew yeah, but, said Andrew said he thought maybe Sorokin might go Monday. 
you know, uh, that's a possibility. Yeah. You know, that's fine. I, I think, and uh, I, I think Barry said this through a tweet. And I don't know who said it. You know, my apologies, my apologies ahead of time. Uh, he basically, um, Trotz basically said, um, you know, Varlamov has earned the right to start, you know, this season, and which is true. So I would imagine Varlamov is going up against the Rangers for the first two games, and then Monday. Uh, it'll be Sorokin, and that's fine if you know they want to go two one two one or whatnot. That's fine. Yeah, and then you ride, and then you ride the hot one at that right. at that point. You know, you know he gets, yeah. once he gets comfortable, if he's hot enough, and you know he shows it, you know, bring bring it absolutely. On. But I think the starting the starting job will, is Varlamov's, but it's his to lose. Oh yeah, without without question, without question. So uh, yeah. any other uh, any other surprises? Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, after the first week, I wouldn't be surprised if every day was like trade deadline day. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, you know, you know, you know, owners, you know, our owners have uh hockey going, but there's no fans. And if the season really does start to crumble a little bit, you know, sometimes quickly for all the teams, it's how much salary do they really want to shed? How much, mo- you know, what kind of trades can we do? So, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I think there's going to be a lot of activity for the next several months. And uh, kick back, grab your favorite drink, grab your, fa- you know, your favorite food, and cuddle up with your loved one if you can. Uh, if she's not enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the news. Yeah. <clears throat> this is like a six-month version of Christmas for all of us here. So, um you know, this is this is what I'm looking forward to. I I hope it lasts. I I again to John's credit, I I really do hope the season can get past Valentine's Day. If we can get past Valentine's Day. I think we're in the clear. I totally I totally agree. So uh, in a couple minutes, uh, how about we uh, get your uh, plug in for your stuff, please? Sure. You can uh, follow Isles Talk on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And you guys can follow me on uh, Twitter at P underscore Kreischer. And, uh, yeah, show. good luck, Islanders. Your show. Your show. Your show. Oh, yeah, Isles Talk Live. Yeah, sorry about that. Isles Talk Live every Wednesday on Facebook uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, come join us. Gary, I'm sure I'll have you on at some point. Yeah. And, after, uh, after but I know month. this is the busy season for you, though, isn't it? Yeah, after this month. Once I get through uh, January, I'll be... I'll be uh, a lot oh, more perfect. available. Yeah, definitely. All right. So if the season gets canceled, you'll be, you know, you'll you'll be ready to go by February. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> God, John, I love he you, is going to shut me down. John, he John, he is going to shut me down at some point. He yeah. just won't tell me. That's all. Mute button. <laughs> no, we'll we'll, we'll 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 talk on the ride home. <laughs> on that note, Paul, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Happy <laughs> New Year, us, guys! Getting us kicked off the air now. Thanks. Great. Good. Good, good job. Yes. <laughs> All right, the guy we'll, in the back's laughing, by the way. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Uh, take care, guys. All right. On that note, we will take a break. Yeah. Uh, we need one right now. When we come back again, uh, Dr. Stephen Brook, uh, who owns Country Foot Care in Mineola and Williston Park, uh, a loyal season ticket holder and sponsor of our version of WGBB Sports Talk New York, will be talking Mets. Yes, we're talking something other than hockey. We had to get something in for the last half hour. Gary and John back with you on Sports Talk New York. Please join us.
listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back again on Sports Talk 1240. Gary Harding, John Panarese with you for our last segment of the show. Uh, I believe it's still 28 nothing for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Big Again, big, huge upset in football today. Our final guest of the evening um, is a... Podiatrist in Mineola, Country Foot Care, the commercial you just heard before uh, we came back on the air. He is um, the sponsor of our show for the last uh, almost seven, actually seven years now. Uh, his name is Dr. Stephen Brook, a big, huge Met fan, and we needed to get off hockey a little while and, and talk about uh, talk about the Mets. Dr. Brook, Gary, and John here. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Gary. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year. Um, I was in Dr. Brooks' office, John, uh, yesterday morning, and uh, when he popped in to where I was being worked on, he had a smile like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> I can imagine why. Um, again, very happy day for us Met fans, Dr. Brook. Uh, you would obviously agree. I've been waiting a long time to turn the page on the Wilpons, and I think that we did uh, better than anyone could possibly have hoped with uh, Steve Cohen um, now the owner of the team. We finally have an, uh, an owner who seems to have some baseball savvy and is truly um, driven by the fact that he is a Mets fan and he will do everything in his power to make the Mets um as competitive and fun to watch as I can remember in decades. Yeah, now how many years, Dr. Brooke, have you been a season ticket holder? On and off? Uh, I know you, you were off for a little wow. bit. Wow. Uh, I think we started in 1987, so quite a while. Wow. Quite a while. Yeah. So you've been, you've obviously been through the good, the bad, and the, I'll say, the super ugly. You know, for lack, well, of a, lack of a better term. I'm, I'm totally used to being on the bad end of a trade. Yeah. And the Mets' um, acquisition of Francisco Lindor, um, and then let's not forget uh, our, our the marvelous pitcher that also came Carlos uh, with that deal. Um, it, it's such a stark reversal of actually getting someone in their prime who can – help right away um, and what struck me most notably about the trade was instead of trying to fill one of their dire needs they actually made a trade to upgrade their pitching and upgrade their shortstop and it's been a, a, a very long time uh, to my recollection pitches excluded I have to go back to Mike Piazza to uh, to think of someone who would be as impactful as I hope Lindor will be for the Mets next year. And I think for in the case of Lindor, it's the not only is it the the tremendous glove, the great bat, 
but he's also got, I think, would be perfect as the personality for yeah, New I York. Say his I mean, his nickname is Mr. Smile. You know, so, I mean, you know, it's infectious. I mean, I, I've seen so many stories of him in the Cleveland community over the years he played for the Indians that they, they absolutely love this guy, you know, not only for his play, but every, his all-around persona. And to me, that's, you know, it's a perfect uh, scenario. I mean, that it seems almost as much of an instant love affair that I think that's happened, like you said, that happened to Piazza when he was traded here from Miami. As, I, I, as my grandfather used to say, what's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's really the full package. And not only do I feel um, that it's going to be fun every at-bat watching him, but it's been a long time since they've had a true leader, which should have a great trickle-down effect on a lot of their young players who have, for the past two years, truly carried more than their share of the load and mm-hmm. how fun it would be to be playing on the same field if you were Pete Alonzo or um, you're McNeil and all of a sudden you've got somebody tightening up your defense, leading by example, um, especially with Alonzo. Uh, how much pressure could he possibly have been under as a rookie? It's no surprise that in a shortened season uh, with a true lack of depth on the team and no real chance towards the playoffs that his numbers would would fall. Um, The league has adjusted to him, and I think now with a stronger supporting cast, it can only help young players like these two be even better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's – and he's potentially the, you know, the quote-unquote the face of the franchise too, which, you know, we really – Interesting how the face changed in a year, right, guys? Yeah. 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 But, again, it, and, it takes the pressure off. You know, that's – Well, talking about taking the pressure off, Carrasco, um, mm-hmm. a seasoned, crafty – Lefty who strikes out more than one batter, uh, per inning, uh, mixed in with, uh, DeGrom, uh, it just, the significance of having to chase someone down like Bauer is so diminished because you really need a pitcher who can chew up some innings and mm-hmm. stabilize the pitching staff from the left side. Uh, we had our problems with our um, one-year acquisition starters last year. We won't go into their woes, but um, Stephen Matz's tough season um, really, in my opinion, uh, made acquiring a left-handed starter um, even more important. And no disrespect to Peterson, who I think was very underestimated, and I think he's got a lot of potential too, but having someone who could be a number three or, at best, a number two if he's back all the way would be a perfect compliment to DeGrom. And in the same aspect, you're going to have a, a, another left-hand, like you said, another left-handed starter. And we were talking in the office yesterday about, you know, the pitching staff was so disappointing, but there was there was a, there was a bright spot with that young kid coming up, Peterson. And you, you hope that, you know, there's a, there's a place for him coming you know i mean maybe he doesn't have to have again as much pressure as they they threw him under the bus with last season season. but you know 
there there are some good stories that we hope that can blossom even further. You know, with the you know with the extension of Carrasco to the to the staff. Well, uh, when they um, first landed, what I considered the second best catcher um, mm-hmm. who was available, um, Riamoto obviously being the first. Um, you just kind of got the feeling that they were warming up. And in that vein, I would be very surprised if the Mets um, don't have at least one major impactful move left. It's an interesting thought what serves them better, Um, a a trade with a team who can complete their infield. Uh, I wouldn't cry if Arenado was playing third base for the Mets next year. Or um, Springer in center field for the first time that I could remember since the Olerud infield, um, you'd, you'd be strong up the middle. And we haven't had a catcher that could throw a shortstop who can hit with range. Um, and if they went and, and actually got Springer, uh, that would just make, that, make them uh, a, a true contender Right now, uh, certainly a team that could make the playoffs, and after so many disappointing years, it would be nice to have some meaningful games um, towards the end of September. Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you think Bowers... I'll tell you what else would be meaningful, me sitting in the ninth row behind home plate, <laughs> chomping on a hot dog next year, instead <laughs> mm-hmm. of watching my games from my house. Yes, right. I, totally, I totally agree. But it's... I mean, that would, yeah, definitely... Go ahead, John. You were... Well, I know that uh, how we get to that point is an unknown at this time, but uh, I am hopeful that as more and more people um, avail themselves of the vaccine and there are more people walking the streets with some immunity, that there will be at least um, limited uh, access to live uh, baseball and uh, it w- you wouldn't have to twist my arm to be one of those. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm sure you'll be first online, John. Go ahead. You're right. I, do you think that Trevor Bauer is, is kind of off the table now as a potential signing with, with uh, none of they've got four starting pitches with, you know, considering Syndergaard obviously coming back to the fold, uh, you know, from his surgery? Well, it, it's interesting that you say that because I think that the acquisition of Carrasco takes a lot of pressure off of, of Syndergaard, and uh, I, I think that they won't rush him back as they should not. And just watching pitchers coming off Tommy John surgery, um, you know, the first year or sometimes two years back, uh, it's just a complete rebuild of their entire pitching style, and I, I would not expect him to come back uh, all ablaze in the middle of the season, and that would be more realistic. So, uh, Trevor Bauer, it's I kind of am not as high on him as most people are. I know he has has had some really great seasons. He's got great stuff, and uh, I, I'll tell you though, they have a, a lot of potential just with the young players that they have. Uh, and I think that there are moves that are going to be made, and within those moves, um, 
their other concerns, I think, are more pressing right now. Um, finding someone in the back end of that bullpen who is reliable um, so that I don't have to hold my breath, um, <laughs> you know, with a lead in the eighth and ninth innings. And by the way, guys, I'm getting older. I don't hold my breath that long. So, no. Uh, no, it, and, it would be, and I can hear you from your house to my house when uh, when things like that are happening in the eighth inning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm all for them looking toward – I mean, if they picked up the closer for the A's, I would not be upset. No, no, and, uh, he's available. That, that would truly help. Um, but, you know, there's, it, what's really interesting and different about how this team works, um, I had no idea that they were going to acquire the players that they've acquired until it actually happened. So the fact that there's no talk about – I keep going back to Arenado because I think he's the best fit. And if – the Mets do go in that direction. I could play the remaining outfielders that are not traded back. I think that uh, probably uh, J.D. Davis would probably go back in that trade, or maybe uh, uh, Nimmo, too. They would start picking players that would completely change the complexion of the team. And even if they their acquisition was more of a defensive center fielder with a one-two punch of Arenado and Lindor on the left side of my infield, I promise I won't complain about anything else until they beat <laughs> mm. the first game. I promise. Right, and then you yeah. have McNeil at second and, you know. Well, I, I like Squirrel at second way more than in left field. Yeah. I, I think he's an extraordinarily good second baseman. I think he's a good third baseman, too. But the uh, Arenado's all world. Yeah, yeah. The, I haven't. Yeah. I can't remember seeing a better a better fielding third baseman Maybe I'm going back to Brooks almost. You know, that's how. Well, I was going to say he was the last one that I that I actually saw because I saw him in the '69 series, mm-hmm. and he was as good as advertised. And Arenado is as good, if not a little bit better defensively. I just can't believe the range and the arm on him. So yeah, we'll see. I and- mean. One of the things the pandemic has done is it has put a lot of pressure on teams because they really brought in no uh, appreciable income last year and the fact that they're willing to move stars um, just to lower their payroll I mean the timing could not have been perfect to have a billionaire owner right right and and you see I mean I've noticed there's really not a lot I mean there's there's trades going along but there's not a lot of there's still a lot of free agents on the board you know you're talking what 30 32, 33 days before pitchers and catchers report, and that's very unusual to see the number of guys that are available, you know, at, at this at this point in time. And you say, you know, the pandemic is the cause. For, for many reasons, the, the owners being cautious in the middle of a second wave of the pandemic, it, I mean, it makes all the monetary sense in the world, um, but, you know, baseball has always been my escape from the day-to-day and so it, interestingly my wife asked me a question today is when we get our lives back as you put it what's the first thing you're going to do and i said well if i have my way 81 games at city field and mm-hmm. she goes that's it i go that's more than it <laughs> yeah <laughs> wouldn't that wouldn't that be fun and by the way you know if you want to go to one or two of those games i've got room yeah oh i know you do i've i've 
sat many many days, John, in Dr. Brooks' seats, and there it's it's a great it's a great uh, a great atmosphere. You know, just as we were talking um, yesterday in the office, you know, I, I I still kind of feel bad a little bit. I mean, yet you know, in order to get a guy like Lindor and Carrasco, you had to make the deal. You sent you know uh, Rosario and Jimenez to to Cleveland, and as I said to you in the office, I mean, they're they're good guys. I think they'll be for a team like for an organization like Cleveland that's not a upper echelon dollar spending team. I think that those are two guys that are actually going to fit. You know, they'll they'll have the they'll have the middle of their infield covered for a good long time to come. And you didn't want to have to necessarily get rid of a, you know, you don't like to get rid of a kid like Jim Inessage, who I think has a a great future ahead of him. But unfortunately, you had to do something like that to get what you get. Well, I I think twenty games into the season, we're all going to be saying. Uh, uh, Jimenez and Rosario, who? Yeah. Um, in order to get someone of this caliber, there had to be some people who could immediately impact Cleveland. They were not going. First of all, I, I think that considering the depth on uh, the Mets depth chart, the, the two other players that were traded, um, the Mets protected their top five or six um, minor leaguers. And what a coup. It, what a coup. But it's more of a coup because of Carrasco and Lindor as opposed mm-hmm. to just Lindor. Right, right. I that's think true. The, the last time, you guys are going to have to help me with this because, you know, I'm on Medicare now and I can't remember everything <laughs> like I used to. But um, when, um, wasn't Syndergaard the second name? In that acquisition trade, when we got him, yeah, I yeah. can't remember who the who the main one was, but yeah, he was. Uh, was it uh, was it Travis Darno? I can't remember. Yes, yes, you were right. It was Darno. It was Darno and Syndergaard. Yep, and Syndergaard yeah, was the second option. And everybody was so hot. And very interestingly, um, the next year when the Mets had. Uh, the all-star game at city field mm-hmm. and i was fortunate enough to go to the futures game and i saw Syndergaard pitch um for the american team if you if you guys remember it was the americans against the, the world. world right right and if yes. i remember both starting pitchers were from um from the mets yeah, uh, Dominican kid. I can't. I can't remember. Unfortunately, I can't remember the guy's name. He didn't pan out, but he did not pan out. And so I think he pitched first, and then Syndergaard pitched uh, for the American team. And I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "Because Every, everybody was so high on the other pitcher." And I said, "This guy's the real deal." So. Wouldn't it be nice if the second player in this trade was impactful as as Syndergaard has been? For right. Him? I'm just. I just was looking it up right now. It was Travis. It was Syndergaard, Travis Darno, John Buck, and Wilmer Wilmaker Berkera for R. A. Dickey, Josh Tolley, and Mike Nickius was the trade. You see, that was so unlike the Mets to actually get rid of uh, a player. Off a Cy Young year, if I remember. Uh, 2010, I think he won the Cy Young, I think. 
so that I actually think they actually got the best value that they possibly could. I mean, then, you know, I was going to pinch myself, and then the next year they went back to making their usual trades with guys who played a little bit too long or uh, didn't quite uh, uh, live up to expectations. Well, 2012, wasn't that a Sandy Alderson trade? Right, he was there at the time, right? It was. It was. It was. Well, um, I'm very interested in the, the whole aura of having Sandy with a free hand and a GM who, by the way, I really like this new guy. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of interviews with him. I'm very impressed. He's, he's knowledgeable. He's personable. Um, he's sharp as a tack. I mean, well, no surprise that uh, Steve Cohen would surround himself with top-flight people. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, what what a wonderful change. It's, you know, I've in a world where sometimes I have to search high and low just to find a reason to get excited about something now and in the future. Um, ever since Steve took over the team, just the possibilities uh, are one step back towards normal, guys. Well, let me ask this. Um, in the last couple of minutes we got with you, Dr. Brooke, um, what's been the interaction you know, as a as a season ticket holder, and, and and you know, especially in the areas where you're sitting, you know, they I know they treat their you know their their good you know their the good seats and the you know where you are with a lot of uh, a lot of respect. What's been the um, the reaction from the organization to the season ticket holder community? Uh, well, uh, there was a, a promotional event that took place at City Field, uh, I think, two weekends ago. And all of those uh, wonderful bobbleheads that never got uh, got uh, dispensed last year um, because, obviously, there were no games, um, were given as a token to season's ticket holders as they did drive-bys. Mm-hmm. And as I drove to pick up uh, my, my bobbleheads, I saw Steve Cohen at the front of the line handing them out. Oh, wow. And I said, gee, you are so not Jeff Wilpon. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just refreshing to see that the people who mattered, which are their season ticket holders who stuck with them through thick and thin, and really we're investing in a future that is uncertain. And I think the Mets are most appreciative of our our loyalty. Uh, and uh, I've never seen an owner who, you know, if you send them an email, he sends you an answer. And but there you are. And he's out on Twitter, and he's taking responses from everybody as well. There, I mean, to me, my first impression when I started hearing from him was I see the same thing in Steve Cohen that I see in John Ledecky and Scott Malkin. You know, that they really, you know, that they they consider, um, you know, they're they're the they're the stewards for the fans. Right, you the know, fan first mentality. Right. They they really feel that you know the the season ticket holder, the person that's coming every night to support, that's the most important person in the world. Not necessarily acquiring a player or acquiring a coach or general manager. It's the fan that needs to be taken care of before anything else. And and I'm. I'm very glad to hear that 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 Steve Cohen is doing exactly the same thing again because he's a fan like us. He's very down to earth. 
Um, I haven't crossed paths with him quite yet, but the Mets generally during the course of the season will have um, some events that are uh, targeting the season's ticket holders, and I would not be surprised if he was actively involved when we actually got to meet him. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, and, that, that sounds You great. know, it's it's all thumbs up and good hopes, and, uh, you know, with all due respect to the pandemic, uh, one day we will be ahead of this, and I want to see another pen flying over Absolutely, we we totally agree, Dr. Brooke. Listen, uh, in a couple seconds we got. Why don't you uh, give a plug to the practice and uh, let everybody know how they can how they can get in touch with you? Uh, uh, Well, I am the founder of Country Foot Care. We have offices in Mineola and Williston Park. Um, Best way to reach out to us is through our website, countryfootcare.com. All. all of the services and staff are um, well represented on the site, which is totally user-friendly. If um, you have problems, foot, ankle, um, we are there for you. Like Steve Cohen is there for me. So right, there we exactly. And, again, and I can say with, with honesty, I've been seeing Dr. Brooke uh, as a patient for almost 20 years now, and um, their staff and everybody there – treats treats you like they're your best friend and uh you know i appreciate everything you've done for us us for both claire and i and um and as well for my radio career here again we thank you yeah thank you very thank much. you for uh for all the sponsorship and help and uh like i said i can't wait to uh maybe sometime this summer maybe go to a game with you my friend it's it's been my pleasure supporting you and let's go Mets. absolutely thanks dr brick again we'll talk to you soon all right, take care. All right, take you care. too. Bye-bye. Again, Dr. Stephen Brooks from Country Foot Care. Um, the number you can reach them, and it's on their commercial, is 516-741-3338. Um, I suggest if you if you need of any podiatric assistance, they are definitely the people to talk to. Um, John, two hours flew by. Yeah, definitely. What's it's great when you have four guests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we want to thank... Um, Andrew Gross from Newsday. We want to thank the legendary Jiggs McDonald, the uh, unlegendary Paul Kreischer for his little little comment at the end of his segment. And of course, Dr. Stephen Brooke from Country Foot Care for <laughs> talking with us tonight. Um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a rough ten months since we've been uh, forced into quarantine. We thank God that sports has at least been able to give us a little bit of a a break from reality and a, and a chance to you know see other things and you know it's our hope and i'm sure it's, it's yours i know as well as mine that that over the next couple of months that things start to improve the numbers start to come down and people get vaccinated and stop with the nonsense right exactly and then so that hopefully this summer that we can get to a point where we don't have to wear a mask anymore we can go out to a we game. can go to a game Please. or go to a movie or go to a restaurant and not have to worry or maybe have our producer bring coffee into the show. Nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, that's, that's not going to happen. No, we, 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 we appreciate Brian Gray's yeah, on the no. other side of the glass. He's been great to us for the last seven years as well. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, sports is just a microcosm of life, you know, um, but it's just our way of, 
of getting away from everything. Yep. And, you know, like I said, we're just thankful that the hockey season is going to start in three days and, you know, the fun of, uh, you know, yelling at our Ranger fan friends and, and all that, you know, gets back. You know, we didn't have the typical NHL preview show like we've done the last couple of years. We'll, we'll save that to next season when we're hopefully broadcasting from Belmont. You yes. Know? <laughs> you know, that would be, that would be a nice thing. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe John can help us out with that. <laughs> that would be great. That would be, that would be absolutely wonderful. Well, listen, uh, John, again, thank you very much for joining thank us you. again. Before we let you go, we want to remind everybody you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also check the website at WGBBSportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, if you don't do it already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast, WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. John, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Brian. In the words of my friend Bill Hayes, keep skating, everybody, and thank you for joining us on Sports Talk New York. Have a great evening. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.